Take your Bibles, please. Turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. Colossians, chapter 3, and we'll read verses 12 through 17 together. Colossians 3.12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And I'll read aloud verse 23 in Colossians 3. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our church. Thank you for what it stands for. Father, thank you for greatness a man like Brother Shiflet, the wisdom and the spirituality that you've given him. Thank you for the leadership of our preacher. Now, Father, tonight we stand before you in humility because we know we need something. Our preacher has something for us. May we receive it out of a pure heart. May we open up our hearts and forget what the world and the devil have pumped in. And allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in our hearts, please. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let me start by saying this to you this evening. One of my ultimate goals as your pastor is to make sure that you know that I love you. I, uh, I was told many, many years ago by a very, very wise, seasoned pastor of well over 50 years in the ministry... He said, Jeff, you'll be able to preach as hard to your people as the depth of your love. He said, when people know that you love them, then they'll allow you to help, they'll allow you to help them. Let me tell you this evening, if you do not obey what I'm going to preach tonight, I love you. My love for you will not be determined on your behavior. I just, you're one of God's children, and I love you. If if you do not obey what I'm going to preach tonight, I want you to know you are welcome at the Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church. We have a church that's full of sinners. We have saved sinners that uh, join our church. Now, lost sinners don't join our church. They have to become saved sinners to join our church, but we're just a bunch of sinners on our journey toward heaven. And so, if you do not obey what I preach tonight, you're, you're still welcome in our church. It's not a matter of you have to do it to be a part of this church. You say, what do you got to do to be a part of this church? You got to get born again, follow the Lord in believer's baptism, and then you may join our church. So you don't have to be all fixed up and cleaned up. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches. The churches do help you get cleaned up. And so, I want you to know that I love you. And I want you to know that if what I preach this evening, you don't obey it, uh, I still love you. Uh, I will still treat you with dignity and, and with respect. If you agree with the Bible teaching tonight, uh, be careful that you are not rude to someone that chooses to reject it. There will more than likely, and I hope not, but there will more than likely be someone here tonight that has not grown spiritually enough to accept what I'm going to say. I recommend to you that, that you think through it real carefully and you listen to the scripture that I use. But if you reject it, uh, I'm not going to be mad at you. But to those of you that accept it, to those of you that when I'm done preaching tonight or while I'm preaching, you're saying, Amen, that's what I believe. Yes, that's what the Bible teaches. You listen to me. If somebody else does not accept it, would you please do me a favor? Would you be kind to them? Would you love them? Would you be gentle with them? I don't need you to go and preach this sermon again for me tomorrow uh, to, to someone here in our church. Uh, I, I, I'll preach it once tonight, and then, let, then, then let's let the sermon do its work. Let's let the Holy Spirit do its work. But it's not our job to attack one another in regard to what's preached. 
I might recommend this also. The sermon that I preach tonight is not one that you go and preach to lost people. People who are not born again, they, uh, they need salvation more than they need separation. Now, the issue that I'll talk about tonight is an issue of separation. I'm going to give you the title of the sermon right off the bat, and it's going to tell the whole story. Uh, this morning I told you, I said, folks, please don't come back tonight. The preaching is going to be, it's going to be a little, it's, you know, we, we preached this morning, uh, you either hot or cold. It, it, it's going to be hot or cold in here tonight. I'm, I'm sure of it. And so there won't be any middle of the roads tonight. Uh, but I'm not going to preach what I'm going to preach. And honestly, I'm going to teach it, and I've told myself that on purpose. So I'm going to pull as much of my right-wing personality out of this that I possibly can because it's going to be rough enough just with the plain, simple truth without me adding to it. The title of my sermon tonight is Teaching on What's Wrong with the Beach. Teaching What's Wrong with the Beach. Colossians 3, verse 17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and uh, the Father by Him. What the Bible says, whatsoever you do, any word that comes out of your mouth and any deed, that's any place you take your body, is to be done in the name of the Lord. Then, just a few verses later, in verse 23, it says, And whatsoever you do... Do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. In other words, the Bible is saying, don't do what you do for men or as unto men. Do what you do for the Lord as unto the Lord. The word beach is not found in the Bible. The Bible uses the word sea or seashore. But the word beach is not a biblical term. Uh, we came up with that term. It's not found anywhere. You start in the book of Genesis. You go all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. You're not going to find the word beach. I have mentioned on two occasions, I believe, I have mentioned negatively going to the beach. It stirred up a little hornet's nest as if people had never heard that before. I have to tell you, I've never been in a church in my life where the pastor didn't preach against going to the beach, ever. And there, there are a bunch of you. You've heard it. Throughout your, your whole history of being in the church. But because when I preached it, there, there were some people, their antennas went up, and it's like they'd never heard it before. I realized that you need to be taught what the Bible says about it. Um, I've had some very serious inquiries. The last time I mentioned negatively the going to the beach, I had, I had three or four families that actually had the spiritual courage to come up to me and say, Preacher, we don't understand. You know something? I'm so proud of them. They had excellent attitudes. They had moldable attitudes. They had spiritual attitudes. They didn't come with a chip on their shoulder already. They didn't come with a bad attitude. They actually came up to me and very sincerely said, Preacher, we don't understand. Could you teach that to us? And I said, I'm not going to have time to sit down and talk to every individual about it. So what I'll do is I'm going to prepare a little teaching, and I'm going to give it on a Sunday night. Planned it three months ago. Planned this very night for it. This very night. I wanted to wait till school was out. I wanted to wait till our spring program was over. And I wanted to wait. I wanted to do it before Memorial Day. One of our new families came to me. A, 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 a wife came, and she was representing her husband, has some, has some uh, young people in our, our church. And she said this. She said, Brother Owens, I, I, I'm a new Christian, and I don't, I don't know all about the Bible. I want to do what's right. And you mentioned it to me. Could you talk to me for a few minutes? Because uh, if, it, if, it, if I'm doing something I shouldn't do, we're going we're gonna to adjust our timeshares and everything. We're going to do something else. We talked for a little while, and she said, that's all I needed to know. What a good attitude. Somebody that said, you just teach me what the Bible says and I'm good with it. Well, let me ask you a question. What kind of attitude will you have? Just teach me what the Bible says and I'll do what it says. That's, that's good, isn't it? Just teach me what the Bible says. I'll be good with it. Uh, 
One of our one of our senior citizens came to me, and she said, "Brother Owens, she said, uh, my 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 kids, and they they, uh, they they've asked me if I would go with them with the grandchildren. Uh, they were going to the beach to swim, and she said, I hope I did right, Brother Owens, but I just told him that I wouldn't be able to do that." Because my preacher had said that you shouldn't be going to the beach like that, and I didn't want to hurt their feelings. That doesn't mean I don't love my daughter and I don't love the grandchildren. I said, let's find something else to do, and I'd do that with them. And I thought, what a wonderful way to handle yourself. She took a stand for what was right. She wasn't rude or unkind. And the way she approached me was so so submissive, the Holy Spirit was involved. Now, I wonder... Will you let the Holy Spirit get involved in what I say from the Bible for you tonight? How about right now in your mind you say, Holy Spirit of God, I'll do anything you want. Now, the Holy Spirit of God always agrees with the Word of God. I have another young couple. They're rearing a baby. And they came to me, and this young couple came to me and said, Brother Owens, we heard you say something about the beach. We don't understand it. We've never been taught it before, but we'll tell you this. We don't want to rear our kids doing something that's not right according to the Bible because we don't want our kids confused. We don't want our kids confused. Uh, you, you, you staff men, why don't you do me a favor? Would you go get me the things that, that we have in, in the back there real quickly? I'm going to show you some things from the Bible tonight. I have been preaching for 27 years. Somewhere around 19,000 times. It's been two years since I've figured up how many times I've preached. I've never in my life heard anyone take 30 to 40 minutes to actually teach from the Bible why we say you shouldn't go to the beach. What I hear preachers do is they get up. Thanks, fellas. Super. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, lean the air mattresses in between the chairs there, and you guys could keep the the, the, the balls uh, near your near your seat. Like, lean that air mattress up there, and put the other one over there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Try not to distract my beautiful the view that the choir gets. I'll take that one. Okay. Now, in all the years, and. It, Man, Brother Nash. In all the years that I've been in the church, I've heard preachers preach and allude to what's, you know, they'll just say, I can't be going down to the beach. Uh, but, but, but they never taught on it. They never taught scripturally why they believe that. Now, when, when, that, when that young man comes in, ushers, he needs to set toward the back so he doesn't disturb as we get on with the evening. Now, there's a story in the Bible that Jesus had had gone away and Peter had gotten backslidden. And the Bible says that Peter and the disciples went out on a boat to go fishing. They were out on that boat and the Bible says morning came and Jesus was on the shore. The Bible says the minute that Peter realized that Jesus was on the shore, Peter decided to swim to shore. The, the Bible says that Peter was naked. I don't know if you've ever read it or you remember the story, but he jumped in the water to swim to shore. But he was naked when he came in to swim to Jesus. He had to, the Bible says he had to put on his fisherman's coat because he'd been out there at the water without his clothes on. Now, I'll talk to you more about that in a little while. Now, let's ask ourselves this question. What's not wrong with the beach? What's not wrong with it? Because somebody here is going to have the logic say, well, God created it. Yes, he did. I, I won't argue that point with you. What's not wrong with the beach? Uh, uh, men, you have your sunglasses with you? You go ahead and put those on. First of all, what's not wrong with the beach? Let me see. Why don't you guys come up here, turn around, let the choir see you, and let them see you. Yeah, see? Yeah. These, these are my men in black. Okay, you guys can have a seat there. You can leave your shades on. Feels good. What's, what's not wrong with the beast? You know, there are a couple of you. You're sucking air already. 
I have been so gentle and kind and kind. You 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 have a problem already? You're under conviction and all we've done is bring out the ducky. And, that, and that's what it'll be. You'll suck air because of what I teach you from the Bible. Now, what's wrong with the beach? Number one, it is not the sun. In Genesis 1.26, the Bible says, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Boys and girls, God created the sun. And it's good. Say, so what's wrong, brother? Don't you like the sun? No, I love the sun. The sun's good. God created the sun. So, what's wrong with going to the beach? It's not the sun. That's good. Uh, it's not the sand. Fellas, will you go get me? I've got some other props I'm going to need. There's my sand. Thank you, fellas. Good. Just put it right down there. There's my sand. Now, what's not wrong with the beach? It's not the sun. It's not the sand. See, God created sand. The Bible says that sand is mentioned. Well, it's mentioned 28 times in the Bible. I looked at every one of them, and it was all good. All good. All the sand was good. Every bit of it. Uh, often in the Bible, they used sand when there was an uncountable multitude. They said there's as many people there as there is sand in the sea. I can't read them all to you, but Genesis 22:17 it says that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates or the gate of his enemy. So there's nothing wrong with the sun. There's nothing wrong with the sand. What is not wrong with the beach? It's not the water. Water's good. God created water. Uh, Jesus is compared to the living water. John chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. You catching it? There's water coming. Give me to drink. Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Jesus created the water. Water's good. Now, uh, we, we dry ourselves off. I have, I have my beach towel here. a towel to dry off water, and water is good. Amen? Boy, this is good. We are getting deep into the Word of God this evening. So what's not wrong with the beach? It's not the sun. It's not the sand. It's not the water. You're going to like this. It's not swimming. Swimming is good. Yeah, swimming is good. Swim, in one form or another, is used eight times in the Bible, but only eight. In Acts 27, verse 42 and 43, it says, And the soldiers' counsel, counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim would cast themselves first into sea and get to land. In two verses, we see two of the eight times the word swim is used, swimming is good. 
Water is good. Sun is good. Sand is good. Well, let's see. It's not the fishies. Nope, it's not the fishies. Genesis 1.26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. It's not the fish. The Bible says that Jesus cooked fish. I've never, I've ne- I have never preached in the kilts before. I could be like some of you women, and I could show you some. Brother Joe, I got me a slip, baby. The attire of the harlot. It's not the fishies. The Bible says God created fishies. Oh, yeah, God created fish. Jesus cooked fish. John 21, 9. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon in bread. We are to become fishers of men. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, what's not wrong with the beach? It's not the fishies. It's not the swimming. It's not the water. It's not the sand. It's not the sun. What's not wrong with the beach? It's not the family time. You know that when we get to heaven, heaven's going to be a great big family, and we're going to have family time when we get to heaven. Ephesians 3.15 says, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We're going to have family time, and I am for family time. If somebody said, Well, brother, you're trying to ruin our family time. You're wrong. I'm trying to help you to do your family time the right way. The right way, biblically. I'm for the family. I think you ought to take a family vacation. Matter of fact, let me tell you how much I believe in family time. I think you ought to have family devotions every day of your life. And if you say, well, you're just not for the family, then you stand up and you say that, and then I'll ask you if you have family devotions every day of your life. I guess you'd probably want to sit down, keep your mouth shut, and realize this this is not that Brother Owens isn't for a family doing things together. That's not true. That's not true. Let's see. What is not wrong with the beach? It's not exercising. Exercising is good. First Timothy four eight says, For bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the light that now is and that which is to come. Now here the Bible says, Bodily exercise profiteth little. Doesn't say it profits a lot. Bodybuilders and people that are into athletics just to be athletes, God says you're wasting you're wasting your energy. God gave you a body and strength to serve him. That's what the body and the strength is for, but I think you ought to stay in good physical condition. And the Bible says here that we are to exercise. It says it profits us. Swimming is an excellent exercise. It helps the whole body. And I am for exercise. Now, what is not wrong? With swimming. Now, it, er, the beach. It's not the sea. God created the sea. Matthew chapter 14, verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Jesus was at the sea. He was down at the sea. Hey, it's not the fun. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10. For this day is, the, is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. God wants you to have fun. God wants you to have joy. Brother Gwen, sh- show him our ducky. Put that on, will you? Whoa! You're going to float cockeyed there, buddy. God wants you to have fun. God has no problem with you getting you a ducky. If you want to have a ducky, you get you a ducky. Brother Gwen, I'm going to give that to you. You can take that home and use it in the tub of rub-rub tonight, all right? It's not the joy, because the Bible's for joy. It's not the shoreline. In John 21, 4, it says, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus was at the shore. So it wasn't the shore. It's not the fun. It's not the sea. It's not the exercise. It's not the family time. It's not the fishies. It's not the swimming. It's not the water. It's not the sand. And it's not the sun. Hey, so if somebody said, well, God created it, I agree, amen, hallelujah. God created the sun. He created the shore. He created He created the fish. He created fun. He created family time. He created the sand. 
Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So that's what's not wrong with the beach. Number two. Jesus and other Bible characters spent time at the shore. They did. Take, for instance, Jesus. Matthew 13, verse 1 through 3. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Jesus was there at the shore. A multitude of people were there. What was he doing? Well, he preached to them. He preached to them. You see, there are a lot of people in the Bible that were down by the shore. That would be what we'd call the beach. Paul and the disciples in Acts chapter 21, verse 4 and 5. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. Well, there's Paul and the disciples. They were down at the shore. What were they doing? Praying. Here's Jesus now. Listen to this. Here's Jesus, the Bible says in Mark 2.13. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. Now, the first time you see Jesus in Matthew 13, verse 1 through 3, preaching down at the shore, then you see Paul in Acts 21, verse 4 through 5, kneeling down and praying at the shore. Now you see Jesus again in Mark chapter 2, verse 13. He is now teaching the Bible. First time he was preaching. I see here Matthew 4.19 again, Jesus, and he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know where they were at? They were, they were by the water. Jesus was this time recruiting soul winners. He said, Follow me, and I will, I will make you fishers of men. He was recruiting people to become soul winners. And so, first of all, we found out what's not wrong with the beach. Secondly, we found out, sure, Jesus and Paul and some of the disciples, they were down at what we call the beach or the shore. Good. All right. Let's go on. Number three. Be careful that you do not worship the created more than the creator. Be careful that you don't worship the created more than the creator. Romans 1.25 says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Now you listen to me. God created the ocean. God created the sea. God created the river. God created the water. God created ponds for us to enjoy properly. Properly. Be sure you want to please Him more than misuse what He created. You say, He created it. Right. He also created marijuana, but not to be smoked. In heaven, the angels look down. If somebody smoking marijuana, you, you know they used uh, back in the in, in the wars, the Civil War, they used marijuana as a rope. Now, if God created marijuana to be rope, the angels in heaven look down from heaven. When you're smoking marijuana, they're going, "Look at these idiots! They're smoking rope." That's maybe where they get the name dope. Not speaking of the dope, but speaking of the one sucking on the end of a rope. for the way many human beings choose to use it. Hey, be careful that you don't put anything before God. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 19 says, And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. You know what that's saying? Don't you put anything before God. Don't you put what He created before Him. Don't you take what he created and misuse it and put what you want to do with what he created before him. You know, there have been you know, there are actually tribes and in, in different cultures that worship the sea, sacrifice their children to the sea. Worshiping the water 
would be you lifting it up above the reason God created it. For you not to do what God says about this is for you to have lifted something into the place of God. So, I said, number one, what's not wrong with the beach? Not the sun, not the sand, not the water, not the swimming, not the fish, not the family time, not the exercising, not the sea, not the fun, not the shoreline. Jesus and Bible characters spent time at the seashore. Jesus was there and he preached. Paul and the disciples were there and they prayed. Jesus was there another time teaching. And then Jesus was there recruiting soul winners. I said, number three, be careful that you don't worship the created more than the creator. And any time you lift something up that he has created above the purpose for which he created it, you are now worshiping it and making it a God in your life. Number four. We're finally getting to it. What's wrong with the beach? Listen carefully. First, the wrong crowd is there. The wrong crowd is there. Second Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. God says, Come out of there. Come out of that mess. Be separate. We're to be separate from unclean things. Ezra chapter 10, verse 11 says, Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers, and do his pleasure, and separate yourself from the people of the land and from the strange wives. Huh. You know what we're told to do? We're to separate from the world. We're to separate from the world, the crowd. And we're to do what is God's pleasure. What is God's pleasure? You know... If God didn't command it, by the time I'm done, you, can, you will not be able to refute, refute what I teach about the beach. You will have to reject it, but you cannot refute it. it is, but I'm going to use so much scripture, there will be nothing you can do about it. You're locked in. Now, I told you not to come. You came anyway. And you will be responsible for it, by the way. The moment you reject it, you become foolish in God's eyes. Now, I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just warning you. If I can prove from the Bible, then, then we're locked in. You become a rebellious person in this area of your life. I'll love you. I'll love you. I I love rebels. I've got a rebel flag right out by my house. Matter of fact, the people on my bridge all have rebel flags on their arms, tattooed. (laughs) The wrong crowd. You know, if God did not command it, and if he just preferred it, we should do what he prefers. We should do what he prefers. Why wouldn't we want to do what God prefers? Don't we owe him his preferences? Why, sure. If he even leaned toward it, we ought to all be jumping in and say, whatever you want, God. Whatever you want, God. Here it says, separate yourself from the people of the land and from the strange wives. What's it talking about? Stay away from them women of the land. The beach is not filled with good Christians, folks. It's not. Do you know that churches and pastors who don't teach and preach what I'm teaching you tonight have a lot of lust in their churches? Adultery in their churches? Fornication in their churches? And divorce rate is high in their church. One of the first reasons why the beach is not good is because of the wrong crowd that's there. Notice when Jesus and the disciples were out on the beach, they were preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, soul winning, recruiting soul winners, and kneeling down and praying. And let me tell you this, I do not believe for one second that Jesus Christ and the disciples would have hung around the beaches of today. I do not believe that. I don't believe that. They wouldn't have subjected themselves to the things that take, take place on the beach. Now, so first of all, it's the wrong crowd. What's wrong with the beach? Next, nakedness. Nakedness. That's what's wrong with the beach. Leviticus chapter 18, verse number 6. Now get ready. Some of you, i got people who won't even look at me. I am your friend. Have I been mean? Have I been mean tonight? Have I thrown a fit? I could have. I could preach this as aggressively as I chose to do so and be right. Because it's truth. It's from the Bible. Some of you need to smile. You do love God, don't you? You love the Bible? Okay, good. Then tell your face. (laughs) 
wickedness. Listen to this. Leviticus chapter 18, verse number 6. Is there a book in the Bible, Leviticus? Good, good, all right. Listen. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. That's your family. You should not be around your family when they're naked. Let's go on. Leviticus 18.7 The nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. You want to know why we have so much incest today? we got a bunch of naked people running around each other. You're not going to be naked around each other and not have bad relationships. Here it says the nakedness of thy father the nakedness of thy mother. That's mom... And that it's in the Bible. Come on. Let's smile again. Come on. A bunch of retarded boys on the front row. The old women in the choir beat the ball back to me better than I the young, beautiful women in the choir. It's hard being a hot preacher. <laughs> Nakedness. Leviticus 18.6 said, none of your family, your kin. Leviticus 18.7 says, not your mom and dad. Leviticus 18.8 says, the nakedness of thy father's wife shall not, shall, thou shalt not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. It means your stepmother. You talk about where there's a lot of immorality. When you get, you get all the step-families all together, they all start ripping their clothes off in front of each other. Leviticus 18.9, the nakedness of thy sister, the daughter of thy father, or daughter of thy mother. There's a sister and a stepdaughter. Whether she be born at home or born abroad, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover. Leviticus 18, verse 10. The nakedness of thy son's daughter, or thy daughter's daughter, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover, for theirs is thine own nakedness. That's a granddaughter. You are not to see the nakedness of your granddaughter. You're not to see the nakedness of your sister. You're not to see the nakedness of your stepdaughter or your stepmother. You're not to see the nakedness of your father. You're not to see the nakedness of your mother. You're not to see the nakedness of your family. Leviticus 18.11, the nakedness of thy father's wife's daughter, begotten of thy father. She is thy sister. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. You notice how God goes into all this? Can I tell you why? Because God knew there'd be those people who take everything you say and try to figure out a way. Well, well, what about so? And so God said, all right, your brothers, sisters, uncles, aunt, and Uncle Joe, you know, them too. God had to figure out a way to get it across. He, you notice what he's doing? He's saying, nobody. You're not seeing the nakedness of nobody unless you're married to them. That's what God's doing here. He's making it so simple that the only way out of this thing is that you rebel against it. It's the only way out. Leviticus 18.12. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's sister. She is thy, thy father's your kinswoman. What's that? That's your aunt on your dad's side. Leviticus 18.13. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy mother's sister, for she is, uh, she is thy mother's near kinswoman. That's the aunt on your mom's side. You're not to uncover. You're not to see the nakedness of your aunt. You're not to see the nakedness of your uncle. You're not to see the nakedness of your children, your stepchildren, your, your stepmom, your dad. You're not, you're not to do it. Leviticus 18.14. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's brother. That's your uncle on your dad's side. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy daughter-in-law. You don't see the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. Let's go on. Leviticus 18.16. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy brother's wife. That's your sister-in-law. Leviticus 18.17. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. Neither thou take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. For they are near kinswomen. That means you don't see the nakedness of any woman. They're naming everybody they can here. Leviticus 18, 18, verse 30. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance, that ye commit not any one of these abominable customs. It's an abomination? Well, let me read that again. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance, that ye commit not any one of these abominable customs, which are committed before you, oh, others are doing it, but you're not to, and that ye defile not yourselves therein. Defile? 
you have defiled yourself? I thought, let's see, is that the words of Jeff Owens? Let's see, I didn't write this. Um, let's see. Yep, that's it right there. God's word. Huh. Abominable. Defile is the word God used. You say, well, Brother Owens, what is nakedness? Let's let the Bible tell us. Okay? Isaiah chapter 47, verse 1 through 3. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Set on the ground. There is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. Uncover thy lock. Make bare the leg. Uncover the thigh and pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered. Yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will not meet thee as a man. It says here, if you uncover your thigh... God calls it nakedness. Listen to it. Uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered. God not only told us we're not to see or to reveal our nakedness, He told us what nakedness is. It is the revealing of your thighs. You say, that's not nakedness. You calling God an idiot? You've forgotten. Webster's Dictionary does not deem what nakedness is. God's Dictionary does. You either believe the God or believe Webster. So, the Bible says here that if you see the thighs of others, and he gave a great big long list, that you are looking on their nakedness. He calls it Listen to this. He says, Thy naked shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame. God calls it a shame. He called it an abomination. He said, You have defiled yourself, and now you're causing yourself shame. The thigh's not to be seen. The shorts wore by our boys at our basketball team come down to their knees. Your thigh starts at your knee and moves it the rest of the way up the leg. You say, Brother Owens, what's the big deal about the thigh? Because it's the most attractive part of the lady's leg. Look at mine. And I, I'm not going to take the time to prove it to you tonight, but it is nakedness for a man to show his thigh too. I can prove it to you from the Bible. I could take an hour and I could give you the scripture on it. You, 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 but I'm not going to do it tonight. I think you're all beginning to believe that I know what this book says. I hope so. This isn't Brother Owens just blowing his horn tonight. This is me teaching you the Word of God. It's the Word of God. The knee on up is the thigh. Nakedness is not what this society says it is. It's what God says it is. We think that nakedness is you're totally in the buff. That's not what the Bible says. God says you're naked long before you take all your clothes off. God says the minute you reveal your thigh, because the thigh is the part of a woman's leg that is, that is very enticing to a man. So, Peter was on the beach naked. The Bible says so. John 21, 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Peter, when, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Now I don't know how naked he was. I think it's a little weird that Peter would be on a boat with a bunch of men without any clothes on at all. i got to give Peter a break. I'm not thinking he was... Weird. I am thinking that Peter had revealed his thighs. And when he seen Jesus at the shore, he said, i got to cover myself up. I am considered naked in public right now. Men and women are not to be seen naked, and they're not to see nakedness. Again, that's why the, 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 the lady's skirts in our Christian school, are required to come down to the knee and cover a woman's leg. That is not the routine Christian school standard. It is a Bible standard, and I will fight for it, because it's in the Bible. So if you've never been taught that before, you now have, now you're responsible for it. 
Hey, listen. Ladies, you know what? I've even got my suntan lotion here. Nothing wrong with getting you a suntan. Hey, one of you ladies. Oh, my towel's falling off. I'm going to be embarrassed. I have a bag here. I have some ladies' undergarments in here. I'm wondering, is there a lady that would come up, put these on, and set on the sand for us for the rest of the sermon? Ladies, come on. Come put the undergarments on, set on the sand. You say, no way. Why? I got the sand right here. Come on. Some of you firm believers. The beach all the way. I guess you must think it would be wrong, huh? What makes the difference? I've got the sand. It's clean. This is not kitty litter. Got them right here. Come on. Put up or shut up. You ladies, that when you leave here tonight, you're going to be angry with me and go gossip about me. Come on, you're the one I need. Come on and do this thing. Or do you say, Brother Owens, that would be wrong. Yes, it would. And for you to go down, do you understand that your two-peat bathing suit looks just like the lady undergarments that everybody else wears under their skirts and dresses? Well, it's thicker. Well, goody, goody, goody. I've got them. Want to come do your thing? I guess you know it's wrong, huh? I guess sand doesn't make a difference, does it? I've even got water. You know what? I've got you a beach ball. I've got you a rubber duck. If you need an air mattress, I've got your sun tanning lotion. Come on. Let's do it. But nobody's going to do that, and I'll tell you why. Because you don't need a preacher to take 45 minutes and baby you about this to convince you. You ought to have enough Christian sense to know that it's wrong. But I have taught you thoroughly. What's wrong with the beach? Well, first of all, the wrong crowd is there. Secondly, nakedness. Thirdly, wrong music. When there is music at the beach, I'll promise you, it is not Amazing Grace sang by Brother Nash. Unless he's there in person doing it. Ephesians 5.19, the Bible says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual song, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing uh, with grace in your heart to the Lord. The few times that I've ever been around the beach, the music's always wicked. Always wicked. The more lewd the situation, the more lewd the music. Beach music's ungodly. The way people are undressed is ungodly. What else is wrong with the beach? Lust. Lust. You say, well, I'm a man and I don't lust. Pervert. I could not go to the beach with all women in their underwear and not lust. I could. I, I do not have that kind of control. You say, well, I'm 60. Well, if things are wearing down, the rest of us have a problem. But your, your children and your grandchildren, they're going to have a problem. I still have, have enough manhood about me that if I see a lady in her undergarments, it turns me on. How about you, men? How about it? Tell the truth. Does it or does it not? Why, sure it does. And lust, I think, according to the Bible. Let's check and see, though. Let's not take my word. I think lust is sin. Galatians 5.16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let me tell you something. Anybody that won't obey this Bible passage of Scripture, I'll guarantee you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to fulfill the lust of your flesh rather than the lust of the Holy Spirit. 
James 1, verse 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 24 through 29. Listen to this. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes be not burned? Said, you won't start the fire of lust in your bosom without getting burnt. Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever touches her, shall not be innocent. The Bible tells you, you are not to set yourself up to lust. Ladies, men are turned on by sight. And you should never turn any man on except for your husband. Women should never cause a man to lust. Ladies, you... You will be responsible to God if there have been men that you've set your body out for them to examine and you've caused them to lust you. So I didn't do it for that reason. You marketed it. You showed it. And keep your bosom covered around our church, by the way. Keep your bosom covered up. We don't want to see it. You may have somebody's wife walk up to you someday and say, cover that up. I don't want my husband seeing it. Matthew 5.28, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. How many of you are committing adultery in the heart? You go to the beach. You say, I'm not committing adultery with him. He's committing it with you. You're his bed companion. Why? Because you're causing lust. So that's his problem. You created the lust by showing him the most gorgeous part of your body, which is your thigh. 1 Timothy 2.9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with voided hair and gold and pearls and costly array. Bible saying you ought not pack yourself on with makeup and pack yourself on with all sorts of jewelry beyond, yeah, hey, if the barn needs painted, paint it. But you don't need to get 50 coats every time you come out of the house. God is saying your apparel should be modest. And by the way, when you get back to that thing about, about uh, the thigh showing, you ladies, it is a sin, according to the Bible, for you to have a slit in your dress that comes above your knee. It's a sin. Why? It exposes your thigh. When you wear a skirt, and, and I preach this on a Sunday night, some of you are going to have a tough time with it. I'm sorry, I need to preach it. But I'll tell you, when you wear a skirt that comes above your knee, you're showing your thigh, and that's wrong. You are not to show your thigh. It should be private. You're going to think I'm crazy, but that's all right. I've never seen my daughter's thighs. My daughter's 17 years old. When my daughter was little, my, my wife bathed her. I have never seen my daughter's thighs one single time. And I have a very pure and clean relationship with my daughter. Say, that's weird to me. That's fine. It's Bible to me. What's wrong with it? Lust. Wrong music. Nakedness. And then association. You say, I don't go to lust. I don't go to listen to the bad music. Well, you probably end up showing your thighs, and you look at thighs, whether you say you do or not, you're associating with others that think it's okay. Your association puts your stamp of approval on what they're doing. Someone, someone may, may, may accidentally think that you're like them. You know what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.22? Abstain from the appearance of evil. It doesn't say abstain from evil. It says abstain from the appearance. Don't even make yourself look like. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Abstain means don't even go near it. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That means don't get anywhere near it. There's a lot of immorality associated with the beach. A lot of it. Don't go there. Don't condone it. Now, you say, well, what about swimming? 
let me say this, and I'm going to close. The only proper way to go swimming, not with lost people, where there's no nakedness, where your family is properly attired, modesty, no bad music, don't place yourself in a position where you could lust or cause lust. Public pools are just like the beaches, except you get to swim in everybody's urine. Enjoy it, baby. Suck her down. Spit her out. You say you're kidding. I'm as serious as I could be. Somebody probably ended up with a disease in here because your your public pool swimming. Think about it. AIDS is transferred by body fluid. Go ahead and enjoy it. We have an immoral, filthy generation. We had a private pool at our home for years. We had fences around it that made it private. And when we swam in that pool, we were all modestly dressed and it was done the right way. I'm not against that. If you can find a private spot of the lake, you're going to have a difficult time doing it. And just so you all know, this school, called the Martinsburg Christian Academy, will abide by these guidelines at the school because they're in the Bible. I got the impression we believed it before I got here because I read the handbook, and the handbook gives every impression that you believe that. That's what the handbook told me. The, our youth department, and if Brother Ronnie Schiffert were the youth director, he'd go along with this. And Brother Matt Smith, our new youth director, Brother Matt Smith, that's exactly how we'll go to camps and every activity with our young people. It'll be done modestly and decently. And listen, if you go to the beach and you, you're in our church, you're welcome to come to our church. I've taught you from the Bible. You will not hold any position of leadership in the church. Because I cannot set you up as a role model in front of young people that's heard me teach it's wrong and then you turn around and do it. That's like thumbing your nose at God. Young people need to find some people that want to live right. That will do what the Bible says. I hope you just keep coming to the church and let me teach you the Bible. Let me help you get a better appreciation for God. Let me help you to stop worshiping the created and start worshiping the creator. Get a commitment to the word of God to where you want to actually serve God with your life. But I have to tell you, I'm done avoiding it now in my preaching. I've avoided it out of consideration to you. I want to give you two years where I could teach you 32 weeks in a row to love the Word of God. I want to teach you for 30 weeks in a row to keep people out of hell, and that's why you ought to have a clean life and soul winning. I want to take 30 weeks and teach you to get on your knees and pray and get close to God, and I did. See, I want to give you plenty of chance to fall in love with God before I actually live for it. I think you've had ample opportunity. Don't you think? But I'm not going to avoid it in my preaching. I'm not going to back off on preaching against the beach in fear that you're going to be mad at me. Because I've got a new... Hey, you know what? I've got about four or 500 people that have joined the church since I came here. I owe it to them to teach them the Bible. Because I don't want them to fall into some of the same trap that sometimes old-time Christians, they, they, just, they, they just don't do what they've been told. You can't sacrifice new converts in an effort not to offend the old ones. I'm not mad at you. I'm your enemy. And if you don't like what I've taught tonight, here's what I want you to do. You get your Bible. You come to this altar. And you tell God you don't like what he wrote. I'll tell you again. I didn't write it. I'm just commanded by God to preach it. And I will. I will. I'm not your enemy. I'm your friend. You say, you talking to me? Cross my heart. God knows my heart. I'm not talking to anybody specifically. I'm teaching every single person in this house what's wrong with the beach according to the Bible I would advise you not rebel against it I'd advise that some of you ladies listen to everything I said tonight there are other topics on the horizon I'm going to prove dogmatically from the Bible they'll change your life if you let it now you have to do one of a couple things 
believe it and live it or reject it. It's a dangerous thing to reject it. But that will be up to you. And if you reject it and you cause a lot of grief in your life, I'll help you get your life put back together. I'll be here to love you even if you reject it. I promise you. I am your friend. What's wrong with the beach? To those families that inquired very sincerely and very, very tender hearts this evening, I think in a very tender way I have explained to you what's wrong with the beach. To some of you older seasoned Christians, I hope you have learned how to handle people that you love this evening because I love everybody in this house. I'm not trying to hurt one single soul. Please don't run from the truth. Mold your life to it. Get hot for the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.